The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. I think, Kev, people are now, if, if we weren't before tired of this thing, officially now tired, when, uh, when people start getting antsy with each other on official company tweets. I read this last night. Uh, Reese tweeted, Good morning to Avanti West Coast. This, this is the train line, Kev. Good morning. I'm a bit disappointed to see you've cancelled IP38, 0548, WVH, BPN. As this means, I'm stuck. Can you advise what I should do? Thanks, in advance. Avanti West Coast tweeted straight away back to him. I'm sorry, Reese. I'm disappointed there's a pandemic. You can catch the next service. Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is tweet of the year. Oh, dear, Kev. Are we going to get there, Kev? Are we going to, are we, are we going to, is there going to be a New Year snog between us both? That's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> uh, you've had a busy old week though, haven't you? God, look at you. you. I mean, you've, you've literally, you've, you've, if you've not walked it, you've driven a marathon. I've been everywhere. Just I've take, just take. i my car for three days, practically. I know, but you lost your voice. Take, take me, take me through that, that mammoth journey that you did. Uh, okay, so it was a seven hour drive, followed by a, uh, then the next day an 11 hour wedding. Followed by the next day, a street photography workshop. Followed by straight after the street photography workshop, a six-hour drive. Followed by the day after that, a uh, commercial shoot. Uh, followed by a five-hour drive home. God, you are officially a superman. The Fuji cast. You are. Did you uh, did you travel with your your suit on? You rip it off, Super Kev. You must. <laughs> I listened to two audio books. It was great. I, I loved bet, it. I bet you did. You must. I didn't have... listen to the news once. It was brilliant. I just locked the whole outside world out of my car and had a big smiley face all the way down the M6, M1, A1, M42, M62, <laughs> M5, roadworks around Birmingham, Manchester. A big delay because of the bus problem. Uh, all of that, yeah. But you had a big smile on your face in that in that length of journey, Kev. You must have used up every single smile you're officially allowed to use. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've got a load left in in, in reserve because I don't think I used it since like June. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, welcome to the Fuji Cast. You and your questions. It's the last one of um, of this year because we're taking a break next week uh, over Christmas, and then we rejoin you once New Year has started. So it's you and your questions from our electronic mailbag and, of course, uh, also through the Fujicast private Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of. If you would like to send a mail, click at fujicast.co.uk or, of course, um, as I say, send it through the private Facebook group. If you're not a Fujifilm shooter, do not worry. It's a big community. Whatever flavour you shoot, you're very welcome. Uh, we Do we have a we have a guest? Do we have a book of the week this week, Kev? Or, no. <laughs> no book, but we do have a guest. We do we have do. a guest. Casey Orr. <coughs> so, Casey Orr. Yeah, tell, what a wonderful person. Tell me about Casey, then. Casey's a photographer, an American photographer, but based up in uh, Yorkshire. All right. And, uh, yeah, she's she's a very interesting, uh, interesting project. Yeah, so you'll hear more in the interview. I, I wonder, where, do you know which part of America she hailed from? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to go into Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John every time I hear Philadelphia. But um, I wonder how you go from Philadelphia to, uh, to, 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 do you say the north of England? Uh, Yorkshire. Yorkshire, yeah. I mean, Yorkshire's oh, on an aeroplane, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, if you listen to the interview, <laughs> if you listen to the interview, yeah, there is another way. Oh, is there? Well, boat. That's the way that Greta travels. I have to listen to the interview. I will. No, yeah, let's not do a spoiler. No. Right. Yes, it is the last one of the year, Kev. That's it. 2021 gone. What do, what do you want to say to 2021? What's, what's Kev's official word to 2021? Don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't. I, 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 2021. It's had its ups and downs, hasn't it? But I can't believe it's 2022. It's about 2022. We're yeah. straddling centuries now. You know, in a hundred years' time, or when you know, imagine, right? So think back to 1981. Kev, we we, we straddled the century 22 years ago, nearly. Yeah, but were, I mean, we're, all... we're kind of we're 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 the, the straddling is in the middle now, rather than most of it was last oh. century and most of it this century. Now that's, we're kind of roughly in the middle of that's it. That's a bit mathematic, poetic license, Kev. How long do you intend to live? Forever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to cryogeneticize myself. No, but imagine, imagine, think back to when you're like 1981 and stuff like that, and you're looking yeah. in your history books in school, and it was like, yeah, First World War, you know, 1917, 1920, all the stuff yeah. that, you know, all the yeah. stuff that happened in the, that period. Yeah. 
and you're thinking, God, that was millions of years ago. And now we're in that we're in that that future century, 100 years later. We're at that period of time that is, you know, we're at the cutting edge of everything now. But in a very short 60 years time, 2060, yeah. uh, 2081, you know, we'll be like, cool. All that stuff they went through in 2022 pandemic. Yeah, yeah. They used to use those funny little fl- plastic things to make telephone calls and, you know, all of that stuff. They used to go and visit each other. <laughs> Can you imagine that? A camera. Oh, just take a picture with your eyes. <laughs> send it to you. Send. You wouldn't even have a computer. What What will replace computers? You'll just think it. It'll be there. Yeah. Frightening. We'll thoughts. all have our own little Elon Musk in the corner of the room that does everything for us. Well, it will blow up Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever work out, by the way, how old... Um, what the year would be when you were 70 years old, thinking, oh, that's years away. <laughs> and it's horribly closer than I'd care to think about now. <laughs> mm. No, I'd never I'd never really thought about that, but I do know what year it will be. And, and yeah, it is horribly close. <laughs> <laughs> and and also when music, I used to listen to, to dad's tapes in the tapes, 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 what's tape uh, in the car? And he'd play the Beatles and stuff. And for me, that would seem like it was eons ago. But actually, it was less time, at that time anyway, it was less time before than when I think back to, I don't know, for some reason, Kajagoogoo and Lamal have come to mind. Must have been last week talking about now that's what I call music. That's actually mm. older music than when my dad used to listen to the Beatles. And I'd, yeah. I'd think, oh, dad, you're so old. The Beatles? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's us now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's anyway, have anyway, we have had a couple of new patrons, so I'm going to read their names. <laughs> yeah, do that, do that before we depress <laughs> get, ourselves about age. To get us to get us off the yeah. age age yeah. burn yeah. trade. Uh, Omar Barak, thank you. James Roberts, Richard mm. Wadekind, and Daniel just calls himself Daniel. Yeah, thank you guys for your support on the Patreon. And uh, if anybody wants to join them, go to our Patreon page. Daniel, you're a star. Another musical reference, Elton oh John. Oh, my God. There's a song in everyone. I liked Elton John. I didn't ever really like the Beatles, I have to say. No. Well, Richard, uh, Richard Wiedekind, by the way, I'm sure yeah, Richard was the one that was... Um, I haven't did got I read his name out wrong? Well, no, I think you got it right. No, I, I, but I recognise the name because during the week, and he hasn't answered my email, I'll have another check, but during the week he sent us something about NFTs. And uh, and actually selling um, selling our our very old editions back to the public because they are uh, considered first editions, like a book, Kev. Was that the same person? Was it? I'm pretty sure it was Richard, <coughs> but I did write back to him because I was very confused about selling something that you can easily just. The other day, I just whipped back on the app and I found all our original episodes all sitting there free of charge. So I wasn't quite sure what he meant by it, but he hadn't responded to it, and I wondered if it got lost in the translation. Maybe it did. Yeah, maybe, maybe it did. But um, yeah, I can guarantee we, we are not we're not NFTing ourselves on first editions. I have no idea what you're talking about. But anyway, back to the questions. Yeah, go on then. You go first um, with Facebook. Okay, latest question into the uh, questions for the show thread is yep. by Paul Waring. He says, "Do you think Fujifilm will ever make a left-handed camera? Uh, perhaps it could have a flippy floppy screen to the right, and maybe use, and maybe us left-eyed shooters could finally have a camera touchscreen that we don't press our noses with all day." It would only affect the two cameras, of course, wouldn't it? Stylistically, Pro and X100. Yeah, I yeah. think so. The rest of them uh, have their most of them, at least that I can think of, have their viewfinder slap bang in the middle. Yeah. So, regardless whether you're left or right-eyed, you're, you're still going to have the same kind of ergonomicness on your yeah. face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the X100X Pro is uh, is definitely designed for uh, right-eyed people. But as everybody knows, right-eyed people are the best. What? I'm a left-eye shooter. <laughs> and you're are the same. you? Yeah, I'm a left-eye shooter. So I how can, can you be a left-eye shooter? I don't get that. <laughs> well, I am. It's it's just like how can you be an animal with four legs? I just don't get that. Just because people do differently differently to the Malins way doesn't doesn't mean it's wrong. Vive la difference. It's, it's just an eye preference thing, Kev, isn't it? Uh, Everybody has. A, do you, would it, you, are you left-handed? No, right-handed. But uh, what about your feet? Wow. Well, what, what would you kick a football with? I well, I'm I'm more accurate with my left foot, but the Ooh. power the power comes to my right foot. Uh. It, well, it is unusual, but. Um, it, it's called um, what's it called cross, cross dominance. Yeah, well, you're just that's weird. Then you should go into an experiment. <laughs> I can curl a, a ball like Beckham with my left foot, but with my right foot, ah, it's just a toe punt all the way. <laughs> Fifty mile an hour toe punt. Uh, um, 
Yeah. I, I don't know how many left-eyed people are in the world. Um, I would imagine it's a very, very small amount compared to the right-eyed people. And that's probably what dictates the uh, the making of a left-eyed versus right-eyed. Yeah, there is, a, there is a way of checking what your dominant eye is. I'll look up, uh, we'll put a link for it on the show page today. There's um, a really, there's a couple of ways that you can check your, your whether you're left or right eye dominant, but but more people you're suggesting are, are right eye than left eye. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. I'm looking at the a same pic- reason why most guitars are made for people who are going to change chords with their left hand. You can't yeah. get right, you can't get reverse guitars, but generally... It's they're built that way, aren't they? Well, I'm, I had a special piano, Kev. I had all the bass was on the right, um, the, the lower keys on the right hand side, and it went the other way to the left. You really are a uh, <laughs> a wonder of nature, aren't you? I'm, I'm joking about that bit, Kev. There must <laughs> there must be a piano like that. I'm sure. I'm Some, sure there is yeah, somewhere sure in the world. God, that would be confusing to use. But yeah, it would be interesting. I I, I would love to use a rangefinder styled camera or a, a rangefinder in the way that it was supposed to be used, but I've never been able to do that because of the left eye shooting thing. So he's right. You need, yeah. to, get, you need to go to eye school. Oh. You, get, go, you know, go and I've get your it, eyes Kev. sorted so you're looking through the right one. I've tried it, Kev. I really have tried it, and it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't work. Everything goes blurry. Everything's a bit odd in the world when I do that, so no, it doesn't work. But I think it's a good idea. Uh, is that in the We Shall Consider file do you think uh yeah i think it's firmly in we shall consider file yeah 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 right um here's one from jan kruger hi kev hi neil i enjoy every upcoming podcast of yours so i'm not a professional but an enthusiast well that's all right i love taking up your or your interview partner's tips and challenges i know you in brackets kev or kevin have explained that you often use your afl button i don't understand when you use it I'd assume that people during weddings move around and the focal plane is always changing. In situations where the focal plane isn't changing, I understand it. I do um, mostly kite surf, snow kite, travel and people photography and try to figure out where I can make use of it and if I have an advantage using it. Best greetings from the, get this right, Rummelsberger Bucht in Berlin. Well, people aren't often moving at weddings, really. Yeah. But the only time that the uh, people are moving relatively quickly is when they're running up the confetti line or they're doing the recessional otherwise they're mostly just standing around chatting to each other so how does that work when that when that's happening then what do you do but then i stick it in um continuous tracking right um mode for that bit but other than that yeah they're not they don't i'm thinking back now to the last set of weddings everybody's just standing in a room chatting to each other but what about if they're if they're on a i mean jan's right about the focal plane Uh, if you're shooting wide open and i know you like to shoot wide open we had a conversation last week about the f150 millimeter didn't we so yeah we're, we're going fairly wide now if you're if you're shooting that way um they've only got to move very very slightly and they're out well, it depends how close you are to them, really. Mm. But then maybe if they, perhaps when they move their head forwards, I'd probably move my head back. Um, you know, it's not a... And also you have to remember that unless you are... I mean, with the 50 mil F1, uh, I, I'm the only times I've used it, I've been quite far away. So mm. that depth of field, although it is narrower than, than another, like F1.4, still reasonably big because it's an APS-C sensor. So we're not talking about being right on top of people in their faces, yeah. um, you know, uh, shooting at F1, making portraits of them. This is this yeah. is wider, 23 or 18 mil these days. You know, the um, the latitude is, is quite large, really. It's larger than so, you think by the sound of it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's not, it's just not even a consideration. Um, so an- and it's, a, it's a misconception that, that weddings are this, you know, big bustling thing. Everything is always busy and blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course they are. And you want weddings to be to be busy and bustling. But mostly they're busy and bustling, chatting to each other. But if I, if I, wine and if, stuff. if I were to look though, though at my at my portfolio and, and choose the, the photographs that I'm particularly happy with, I'd say that a lot of those are, are grab shots. So they're the ones where stuff does happen quickly where you think, pounce, got, bang. Does your system work in that way? Yeah, I only ever use AFL. Mm. I never, mm. ever use anything other than that, um, so, apart from when I'm doing that continuous focus thing. But yeah, 
So I know we, works. I know this is something we talk about a lot. It's a question that comes up a lot. Just, run, just run through, Kev. How exactly you set that up? So I don't use the new modern fandangled menu system with AF on and all that kind of stuff. I put the camera in uh, manual focus mode, and then I just use the AFL button as autofocus, yeah. um, and I do it very quickly. Uh, autofocus is natural to me. I use my thumb. I can take one, two, three pictures with the shutter button. Camera doesn't refocus. And then I can I can move and yeah. I can do that. I, I, I'm convinced I can probably shoot as quick that way as anybody who's using, uh, you know, standard autofocus on the shutter button, even potentially in continuous, in um, high-speed burst. Yeah. Because as the fast, you know, as fast as you move your fingers... If you can move your fingers faster than the high-speed burst, then you'll get pictures. You'll get even quicker pictures. Yeah. So I don't think you could work any other way now. You'd feel hamstrung, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody I, at that workshop I did in Edinburgh I, I handed me their camera, and the first thing I did was pop it into manual focus mode, and then I yeah. forgot to tell them, and I gave it back to them, and they were like, you've broke my camera. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's it doesn't work anymore. It's been kevved. Right, let's go to uh, Facebook. Kev, what do you have? Hey, this one's from Jeremy Meadows. He yeah. says, hi, guys. Great show, yada, yada, yada. My question for the show is, what is your earliest experience of photography? Is there a defining moment when you caught the photography bug? Just shooting Fujifilm take you back to those early days, such as slowing down, thinking more about photos and a look of the image. Mm. I, I didn't have that that sort of photographic upbringing that people talk about, you know, when they, they eulogise about, their father putting a camera in their hand or pulling a print from the from the fix for the first time and I've, I've got none of that sadly um, but I did have a an old Zenit film camera and I'm trying to remember the actual one I had or would it have been or would it have been Zenith I don't know Zenit or Zenith Zenit and um, I the earliest photographs I really remember making where I thought oh this is fun was with that camera probably when I was aged about 15 16. But then I put the camera down for many years until my my father bought me um, a Nikon, Nikon, Nikon um, when I was at the BBC and said, you know, go on, son, you meet lots of famous people. You should start taking pictures of them. So you do have one of those stories then? Yeah, but it's not quite the story of being bitten by a bug, though. And I, I think that's what he's looking for. Yeah, maybe. I don't. Um, my earliest experience of photography is probably being on the beach with my mum taking pictures of me with one of those funny oblong cameras. Um, oh, were they? Kodak. Yeah, the Kodak ones. Those, those long, long shaped yeah, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, nothing really. I mean, I remember when I went on my um, first honeymoon with my first wife. We went to the States for eight weeks. Oh, yes, you did. Kind yeah. of West Coast thing. Yeah, yeah. And I bought at the airport, I remember buying a camera, but I cannot remember for the life of me what it was. Yeah. And I mean, I used it, but it was nothing, you know, it was, it was kind of snapshots, mostly of arguments. And um, <laughs> after that, yeah, no, I, there is no, no, there's no light bulb moment for me. No. Sorry. <laughs> there's well, no romance in my, my no, photographic history story whatsoever. In uh, fact, it's littered with divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I blame photography on my divorce or my divorce on photography the other way around. Well, do you, do you remember that moment though, Kev, when you picked up your camera because there was a there was a moment where where you where you just suddenly became i mean that glorious story that you've told a million times so we won't need to tell it again but that that you know when you picked up a camera and you went home and you announced to everybody i'm becoming a wedding photographer i mean that that is your your biting moment isn't it your bug biting moment uh yeah but that was that yes that's right that was the that was the moment that i decided to change tack yeah. in my life but yeah that wasn't a i didn't have a you know wasn't kind of taking pictures on the underground or anything you know i just wasn't so, yeah, so it wasn't my, really uh, a photo- my life's my life is boring well, it wasn't really a photographic decision then it was it was a business decision is that what you're saying i just yeah that's I wanna- why i always say it's really good lucky that i didn't like read open the magazine on a chiropodist page or something like that because i'd probably i'd probably be on uh oh, you know, feats rs podcast oh, now no that would be horrible <laughs> i don't know what draws people to become chiropodists you know i wonder you, if there is a chiropodist podcast and what there must called. be well let's let's look it up kev I can, cheesy cast <laughs> what what do you think draws people to um to become chiropodists what you uh, wait, wait. They want, they, I know why it is because they want to nail it. They want to nail it. Oh, Kev, <laughs> we're back on Tim Vine jokes. 
Janice CL in Australia. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I've been using the Fujifilm X-T10 um, for the last few years and recently decided to pursue a day-in-the-life photography, um, documentary photography. I came across Kev's day-in-the-life work a year or two ago. Couldn't get it out of my head. So, uh, as Kylie said, so I decided... Uh, everything's musical today, Kev. I don't know why. So I decided I wanted to try it out. I completed a portfolio shoot with a friend's family and created an electronic photo book as part of that. Question I have for you is if you were providing advice to somebody starting out in the day in the life uh, photo business, how would you suggest I go about building my portfolio and pricing shoots? There's a few questions here. So let, let's just start with that one. Um, building that documentary photo business, building a portfolio and pricing shoots, which um, I think is harder for starting with documentary day in the life stuff than simply going out there. I say simply, it's nothing simple about it, I know, but uh, but becoming the more, um, in the traditional sense, portrait photographer, isn't it? Yeah, um, and, and actually, you know, they've started already doing the right things by doing families and friends and all that yeah. kind of stuff. There's your portfolio building going on right there in front of you. Yeah. That's yeah. all you can do, really. Um, same as I always say about weddings in terms of building a portfolio, I think it's fine to offer free or very cheap um, services right at the beginning, but only for people that you know mm. or friends of friends whatever you do don't offer it for free or really cheap on facebook or strangers or anything like that so, so it's uh, just going to be a whole world of pain i think i know your answer then to the next question which was for example advertise that x is your full price but there's a 50 percent introductory discount for the first x number of families oh in fact that's not friends is it really that's, no that's slightly different yes, um, yeah and i just think that's that's devaluing your product straight away uh, you know, that's just, it's immediately, what I found over the years, and this is, this is a bit of a kind of observation is that people who really do get the documentary style, especially the family stuff, uh, you know, they understand art, they understand, uh, they know what they want. Um, they are, they're probably not bargain hunters. No, let's just no. put it that way. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, you want to be aiming at people who are willing to invest and spend money straight off the bat. That doesn't mean that you have to start at, you know, four and a half thousand Australian dollars. I don't actually know what that is. That could be one pound 50. Um, the exchange so, rate is slightly different to that, Kev. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you get the point. So, yeah. you, you know, I think I would start by targeting friends and families. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to to do it for free um, as long as it's, you know, you've got the permissions in place to use the pictures. They fully understand that it's new for you. Mm. Um, get a handful of those under your belt, build your website, get your Instagram on the go. Um, you know, you're not going to be hitting page one of Google for Sydney family photographer anytime soon. So you might have to start thinking about um, networking or you might have to start thinking a little bit strategically about in terms of, uh, you know, if you've got kids of your own, for example, you know, school gate chat, you know, all that kind of stuff. And even if you want to go down the route of doing Google AdWords, you could do that. I would avoid Facebook ad AdWords, AdWords. Yeah. You know, it's it is a tough thing. It's a tough. Any photography business is tough at the beginning because yeah. you can be the best photographer in the world and have no business, and you can be the worst photographer in the world and have all the business. Mm. Uh, you know, it really does come down to sometimes it's just a, a toss of a coin, a spin of a hat, luck of the draw, um, who you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, is, and is it the value that's placed on product that you're suggesting that Facebook advertising would not be the best route? Yeah. Yeah. Purely, purely value because you think there's more bargain hunters using yeah. that platform. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I tend to, although saying that for Facebook, I do think um, if you are clever with your Facebook advertising, with your timing of it, and, you know, you can start getting your adverts, they're usually cheaper in the middle of the night. And that's when often it's the mums, isn't it, feeding the babies in the middle of the night. You know, that could be a, a well-timed targeted advert at, at certain times of the evening and the adverts are cheaper. So maybe there's a, there's a strategy there. But generally, I would avoid that. I would rather encourage people to pay google adwords rather than mm. facebook ones um the question you kind of answered this a moment ago but there is a context to, to the uk that perhaps we can discuss what what are the day in the life photographers charging if they're new to the genre versus seasoned photographers so okay we can't put a price on it because we don't know what's happening in australia with that with that product and actually i'm not sure that we really know how much people are charging you don't do so much of this anymore do you in, in the uk 
No, um, I find it really difficult because I'm, a, you know, I'm a bloke, and I know that, it, and I understand it fully. It's, you know, it's a, it's easier to, or you feel people feel more comfortable when they invite a uh, a woman into their home to do, you know, what can be quite intimate pictures. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's definitely a thing. Um, so yeah, I don't do too much of it, and uh, I think the last time I did one was just before the pandemic. But yeah, there hasn't been any kind of inquiries or movement on that since. Yeah. Pricing wise, yeah, I mean, th- this thing about day in the life—is it a day in the life? If you're going to do a day in the life, th- you're talking about being there when they wake up and and leaving when they go to bed. Yes, uh, that's a long shift. You need to price accordingly. You know, that could be—I don't know. It depends a lot on um, your own personal value of that kind of stuff in terms of time yeah. if you're going to offer them product as well uh yeah it's hard to to, to say that this is the price you should be charging yeah. it's it's not easy also to to just look at your competitors and say i'm just going to charge a little bit less than them because those competitors might have a, a wife or a husband who is a multimillionaire and they're doing it purely because they love it which is great and uh you know i'd love to have a wife or a husband that was a multimillionaire but you know you can't you can't just say that's the market price right yeah. now it's it's difficult difficult and as as i always say with photography it's not about it should never be about the product and it should never be about the you know the the photography as such it should be about your vision and what you see the 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 story that you deliver should be different to everybody else's the style of it the um the passion in it the emotion in it if you can if you can somehow get that across in your pictures then people will come to you uh if your pictures are just the same as everybody else's then uh it will just become right who's cheapest yeah. You know, it's, it becomes a commodity. So always make sure that you are, your your vision is different, not yeah. just your product. Good advice. I think we should uh, take a break for our our last guest of the year, Kev, um, Casey Orr. So tell me a little bit about Casey Orr before we hear um, you talking with her as an interview. Well, when we interviewed, when I interviewed Daniel Meadows many, many months ago, yeah. I asked him to give me uh, a list of people that he thinks would be interesting for the show. And one of them was Casey, and I've been chatting to her on and off probably for the last six months or so, and it's just been a case of scheduling times. Yeah. And, uh, and that time has come. Uh, where are you right now? Where are you at this minute? I'm in Yorkshire right now. North of Leeds, just on the edge of North Yorkshire. Yeah, and your but your accent is is a little bit not so much just Yorkshire, right? No, I'm from near Philadelphia. I call both places home. And what what, uh, what what's your background? Where did you begin? How did you become a photographer? Um, I think well, I think I was a photographer when I first when I first picked the camera up when I was 15, and you know, in high school, I have been that since then, but. Um, and I've done lots of different types of photography over the years. Um, and I taught for many years on the graphic art and design course at uh, what's Leeds Beckett University. So I've, I've worked within, um, really, I find my feet are really in the art school tradition. So um, I worked within a team of with other graphic designers and uh, my work is very much, there's performance and there's um, there's art concepts and so that's kind of where I'm kind of situ- situate where I found my where I found my feet really. So it says on your website, uh, Casey uses her camera to explore questions she has about, among other things, the lives of women, the interconnectedness of all living things, our relationship to nature, and notions of home and belonging. Uh, what does that What does that mean? How does that manifest itself in your work? Do you think? Um, well, when I first kind of really started to look into interconnectedness and to and to explore that with my camera was after I my my daughter was born, which she's 19 now. And um, she and I really just felt like um, through that process, um, I just felt connected to everything. And it was it was really magical and amazing to me. And I just naturally started exploring what that might mean through um, with my camera and just kind of taking pictures and then looking at how those pictures relate to one another and wondering about interconnectedness. And I think that started me, that also started me thinking about um, the, yeah, the lives of women and maybe how, I think because that process was about looking at the, the unspoken things and looking at how things can maybe be, you could maybe look at metaphor and you could, you can look at, um, at imagery and kind of decipher stuff. I started, 
looking at women and maybe how they were presenting themselves and maybe that la- the language that is unspoken about, um, about how young people and women um, are in the world. So this language of visibility that led to Saturday Girl. And Saturday Girl is the latest book that you've, you've got. And uh, that's, that's available now from Blue Coat Press. It's available now, right? It is available. It is, yeah, it's out now. So that book, I'm looking at the images on your website and uh, Instagram and all of that kind of stuff. And it's wonderful because it's so, it just seems like honest photography, which is uh, something you don't often see these days. And I think that, you know, that's that's a powerful statement. Tell us about the story behind Saturday Girl and, and how it came about and, 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 and what happens next once you've done a project like that? Where do you go from something like that? Um, that's that's nice to hear that you think that it's honest because um, what it, it is street photography. It's it's um, documentary photography, but it uses kind of tropes of fashion and studio portraiture. It's a pop up portrait studio with kind of bubblegum colors, um, but it really is about what's happening on Saturday afternoons in cities throughout the UK. So I would set up my portrait studio in, a, in an empty space in connection with maybe a festival or in a shopping center, um, um, in a gallery, something like that. And then I would go out on a Saturday afternoon with some assistance and we just look to see what young women, young people, how they were and what they were looking like. Um, and we'd invite them to come and be photographed. So it is about looking at uh, kind of documenting what what was going on in cities at that time and seeing if you could read, you could read maybe the local culture, you could read the economic situation of a city, you could read culture in general through the way that a young woman uh, was wanted to be visible. Mm. Um, So I ended up from I ended up going to 15 different cities, a few towns, mostly cities. And I photographed over 600 people in that time. And that that ended up being the Saturday Girl series. Um, And it was about like 2013, it started in Leeds and it ran up to just before COVID. And it was, you know, how, what do, how can you see like trends in, um, in society through the way that young women are, you know, how they are out in the world. How did you find uh, on those Saturday afternoons, did you find that most women were were happy to be photographed? Was it maybe like one in three were agreeing to it or? It was, it depended on the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, some places are more, they more kind of understand that art project thing and other places it's not so much something that people are used to so um you know Manchester in the bigger cities in Manchester and Liverpool people really kind of got it and smaller places you'd have to maybe pull that out a little bit more you'd kind of have to explain the context of who I am and what I'm doing um but it was just it was great and it would really even that the way that somebody would present themselves with a camera is very different in London than it is say in um Hull Mm. or Preston. Um, and so all those different ways that people are with me, they're with the camera and how they kind of are in the world are they're saying multitudes about what's what's happening in that person's culture, in that person's history. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully all those things kind of come through the, the portraits. Yeah, well, I think they're beautiful. And uh, well, I said about it being an honest photography, and I think that, that that's true because I, you know, I look at some of the pictures and, and, it makes me want to know more about the people and, you know, it makes me want to know more about, uh, you know, the girl on the cover, for example, with the, the very yellow hair. And, you know, I, I, I think what's happened to those people since what happened to them straight after that, that's, I'm very curious about people and I love photography that makes me think that way about the subjects. Um, now, it reminds me a little bit. So it was Daniel Meadows that suggested that I, I contacted you in the first place. And he obviously, or you may remember this, did a pop-up gallery himself or pop-up photography on his bus um, way back in the probably late 70s, maybe even earlier than that. Um, What's the relationship with Daniel? How did you you know him? Um, Well, uh, I've always been a fan. When I first came to this country, I was given that book um, by my future husband. He was like, all right, this, you'd have to learn about Britain, right? Here's one thing. This the, <laughs> Daniel's the bus. Um, and, um, my, I love that work. I lo- there's a joyfulness about it. There's the adventure of the road trip. I love the road trip and it's kind of place in photography and in, in photographic culture and his very much, um, British take on that. 
And there's a performative element. There's this, you know, wild hippie bus thing. Um, And he's just, he's such a joyful, he's such a beautiful person who is truly interested in everybody he meets. Um, He really is wonderful. You know, you can see it in the photographs. I've always loved that in photography, that sense of adventure. So, you know, he's somebody who we've, we've talked about work a lot and, um, and he's, he's helped me edit the pictures and, but, but really it's just that performative element as well. So I think what I do with what he does, which uh, another project called the caravan gallery. So they're also, they, they have a little yellow caravan that they, that they drive around. And so it's documentary photography, but it's this performance and this kind of like setting up space. And I feel like I sit within that. So I very much kind of feel aligned with that work and, you know, and portraiture. I think it's really exciting because uh, you've my my style of photography is very candid, but uh, you know this this kind of thing gives me uh, it excites me because I feel like I think it's wonderful that people are almost I'm not sure whether brave is the right word, but they they are they they've got the gumption the uh, the ability to actually get up and go this is what we're going to do this is the project and I think that's great and I, I'd love to see more of that you know generally in photography. On those Saturday afternoons, is it is it just a case of whoever approaches you, or do, would you kind of pick somebody out of the the crowd and think they look interesting? They might have a story to tell. Yeah, I definitely pick people out. So i i i I look at people who have um, they've made some kind of effort with what they something that they want to um, communicate about themselves, about their values and their tribe identities. I look for those people and I ask them to come and let me photograph them. So it's like, I want to photograph the language that they're, that kind of often is unconscious and unconscious language that they're speaking. And really it's also this like hyper visible person who, you know, often when you're, um, when you're just coming into the visibility years, you know, a young person and you suddenly realize like um, that people are looking at you in a way that they didn't maybe the year before and you just realize that there's a power in that and kind of play with it and it can go you know all different you know it just can kind of go all different ways and then maybe you're trying to work out who you are who you want to be in the world and you kind of you know try on maybe a different persona and um, walk around like you know looking like a punk or whatever and you're just trying these things out so it's that kind of stuff that I'm looking for I always make cards so I make postcards this is always a thing I do Um, to kind of give people a context of who I am. So I'll make postcards and they've got imagery on them and they've got like color and they've got text and contact details so that I can hand somebody something and they can understand what it is that they're agreeing to, but then they can also go and look on Instagram and my blog and my website and get a sense of um, what is this project that can go into it further. And oftentimes they'll need to share that with with their parents Um, that they're younger than 18. So I want to make all that stuff really visible and clear. Yeah. So that was one of the questions I was going to, going to ask actually was, uh, you know, how is the, the technicalities of it? Do you, do you need to get permission, for example, if you're in a shopping mall and then is there kind of model releases involved, that kind of thing? Yeah. I always, um, I would plan it ahead of time. Um, So I'd go, so if I was going some, I'd always try and get into an empty shop into a mall, I'd always, you know, I would usually, a lot of times I was connected to some, to a photography event or a gallery and they'd find me a space. So it, it worked like that. And then the model release forms, it's funny because I recently, cause I'm doing this new Saturday girl series and I thought I'm going to be really smart this time, enough of this paper, I'm going to get an app. And, you know, I had all this problems with reading handwriting and yeah. on these model release forms. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this app and it's all going to be digital. And, you know, um, and they, and the app crashed um, <laughs> and I lost, <laughs> lost everything from a whole day. Oh, so no. I'm back on the paper. Yeah. So, which, you know, um, but yeah. that whole thing is just a nightmare because now you ask for a young person's, you know, your contact information and, you know, um, are you, is that an email? Is it like, an, did, is it Instagram? Is it, it's not the same as it was last year. You know what I mean? So I kind of do my best, but I can't, I haven't quite figured out what the perfect way is to keep track of everyone. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I can't even begin to think about that. It's uh, it, it's just a minefield. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. Modern technology and, uh, you know, TikTok addresses and all of these different oh, things. Oh, I know. It's like... <laughs> uh, okay, we're here. Where? What? I just, you know, it's too many. Uh, thanks to Casey Orr. And we return to Casey's second half of the interview in the new year as we now take a holiday break on the Fujicast. If, though, you need more Mullins fix, then you can... Thursday, Kev dons his Stetson and takes to the airwaves on IncapableStaircase.com. Country Boyo with the last show before Christmas, 3.30pm UK time. Plenty of Christmas cheer and he'll be doing Yuletide shout-outs. Then Friday, the photo walk on the Photography Daily podcast returns. This week we have inspiration from past guests as we take our walk together words of wisdom from the past 12 months of guests on Photography Daily alongside your letters as we take a Christmas Eve walk together. I talk to them about being different, not, not being afraid to be different. You know, everyone's taking that photograph. Take six le- steps to the left. And photography, much like playing guitar or any other form of art, really complements that because it's a task where you can be just focused. I've always said that I've never, I've been very lucky to not be addicted to anything but my work. I mean, I'm really glad that I stopped doing drugs and I'm really glad that I I balanced my life out a little bit. We are used to really making a lot of hard choices when it comes to images. We've got about 2 million images coming into the National (laughs) Geographic Archives every single year. So to do a book about the 21 years of the 21st century means you've got about, you know, what, 42 million images. There's lots of different forms of stimulus in terms of sight, smell, sound, but that's constantly shifting. So with every single step forward or step to the side, visually, aesthetically, everything's shifting all the time. It's chaotic. There's a lot to consume. So to try and make sense of that with the camera is quite a task. You need to shoot from the heart to make work that connects with your, you know, audience. If you're not if you're not feeling it, if it's not what drives you, then I don't think it will work. You should always post what makes you happy and not post for the likes. Just uh, be true to yourself. How many times have I looked at a photographer's portfolio and then there is one photograph that is in motion blur or may not even be on purpose, but it's just slightly blurred and they go really quickly through it. I'm like, wait, 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 Shh, what was that? At the end of it, I thought, this is a, a complete stranger. I've got some really nice portraits of. So I thought, well, that could be a project in itself. That's what I wanted to show with this book that you can uh, be creative regardless where you live, regardless of what camera you have, you can do this. You've got a composition in front of you, you've got a moment in front of you, and you really can just take the time to create the best image that you see in your mind. That's the kind of cheer we'll be spreading. Photography Daily is available wherever you get your podcasts and on photographydaily.show. Right, back to your questions. Um, oh, before before um, we dig into the Facebook and the email, Kev, what, what are your plans for 2022? Uh, so 2022, I am, I'm going to do one year um, of uh, no alcohol for a start. Are you? Yeah, and I've made it public now, so I have to hold myself accountable We've to We've done it. that before and it lasted three days. No, no, no. I did. I, I, the last, the most I've ever um, attempted to do it was two months, in which I did two months before I went to Spain. Oh, you did. No, to be fair to you, you did. Yes, you did. I did. But then you um, sunk a battleship with it in Spain. I did as soon as I went to Spain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. I honestly, I, it won't be a problem. I won't find it difficult. And if I do find it difficult, that's worrying. Um, now I is, have to say, is Gemma taking part in this as well? Because one of one of the right. That's great. Because that the whole thing you've always said. Is that uh, that Gemma returns home with a you know see there we go with a with a bottle of red and, and and a bottle of white and you say well I suppose it'd be rude not to yeah no absolutely we're both going to do it Good. Um, and I'm going to hopefully get my black belt but ah. put enough effort into it yeah uh, I'm, I need to I need to win ten fights <laughs> which is is not an easy is that task. is that a lot yeah is it's it? quite a lot and so the, the annoying thing is I did it I did it when I was. 19 but and lost the piece of paper do you have basically. to do 10 in a row 
you can do 10 in a row. You can do a lineup or you can do it over a period of time, but they have to be other people who are going for their black belts as well. So, Oh, not easy then. No, not easy at all, especially at my age. Oh, uh, and these are all age groups or can you choose your age group as those? No, are? it's all done on weight. So Is you'd it? fight people who are in the same weight category as you. So they could be 18 or they could be old like me. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, my ambitions are those wow. two things. That's a good ambition. Um, black belt, Kev. Fantastic. Yeah, black belt, yeah. no alcohol. You're you're going to be the picture of health. Yeah, well, I hope so because at the minute yeah. I don't feel like it. No, and uh, yeah, I feel like you know before I'm fifty, I want to want to kind of get myself in a in a better state, decent shape. Yeah, maybe right. my hair will grow back. <laughs> I think Kev, I I don't think it works that way. Um, there are all sorts of potions and lotions you can buy, but I don't think any of them work. The Japanese were inventing the uh, the hair growth pill, weren't they? At one stage, <laughs> were they? Yeah, there was a Japanese company that was working on it that were very, very close, and it was look it was looking like it was all go, and then suddenly, it sort of all went a bit south R- around about you, the time COVID happened. Actually, you don't see many. I'm trying to think about Japanese. So I don't. You obviously you do see some Japanese men with yeah uh, balls, but generally yeah you don't. Generally, they're they're well haired people. Mm. Yeah, I don't like the fact that it all slipped from the head onto the onto the chest. What was all that about? <laughs> and into the ears, please, uh, for heaven's sakes. You need right. to go to your Tur- Turkish barbers, get that sorted out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get your ears burned off. Mm. Right, questions. Let's go. Um, do you want to go Facebook first? Go on, go Facebook first, because we haven't got so many in- email ones. Okay, Graham Scully yeah. says, Hi, chaps. Question on wedding photography gear. I have seen wedding photographers bring with them a few primes and maybe a zoom. Could you shoot a whole wedding on a lens such as a 16 to 80? And have you ever done a gig on a single zoom lens? Or does it restrict you in low light situations? Or are the image quality issues a problem? Well, Thank in my you. in my original days of shooting weddings, I did shoot uh, all zooms for a while. It was uh, 24 to 70 and a 24 to 105. Or, or 70 to 200, probably. Um, with, with a Canon set up with a with a um, with a five the original five D for a while before I before I really started using primes. Yeah, I mean I would never shoot a whole wedding sixteen to eighty because it's a it's an f four lens. Mm. So you need I would if you're going to be shooting with zooms, you definitely want to be looking at f two point eight lenses yeah, at definitely. the minimum. Yeah, uh, and obviously primes are faster than that. So uh, yeah, people do shoot with a twenty four seventy on uh, in you know in the Canon Nikon world and. Yeah. What was the other one that they always used to use? 70 to 200. 70 to 200, yeah. That was sort of staple diet, wasn't it? Yeah, you can do it. It depends on your style, pleasure. doesn't it? Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people shoot with those zooms and, and and produce great work. But yeah, I would be thinking of at least an f2.8 uh, zoom, uh, the one that starts at at least f2.8. If you've got a, a variable aperture zoom, then, you know, you're, uh, you, you've got a fighting chance. But what? an f4 lens... Yeah. Not so good. Once you start using primes, though, you, you that's it. I don't think you look back as a wedding photographer. Um, I never really, I ne- even when I shot Canon, I think I had the, I definitely had the 70 to 200. Which you used to use, use that for uh, rugby. Uh, rugby, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm fairly sure I started off the bat with 35 1.4, I think yeah. it was 1.4 lens, and then the, and the 85 1. Was that an 85 1.2? Yeah, there was. Lens? Well, there's the, there's the 1.2 and there was the uh, 1.8. Oh no no! This was the big heavy one. Yeah, the big heavy one that used to. I mean, Beautiful. you you could bring up a whole family, send send the kids to university, and enter um, your twilight years before the thing actually focused. Ah, oh, not with back button focusing. It was fine. Was it? Yeah, oh, I, I use it all the time. Should have gone that route then. Oh. No problems. Yeah. yeah. But you could um, never use it. It was not speedy, um, you know. And if you no, needed no, no, to react wasn't. to a moment, I'm sorry, back button, front button, button, where button untucked, button wherever you want a button, it just wouldn't do it. Yeah, maybe I got some. I got some happy pictures with it. I did yeah. like that lens, but it was heavy, mm-hmm. and it was sl- yeah. You're right, it was slow, but it was. I don't think it was particularly much slower than. 60 mil macro lens that mm. Fujifilm have. I think it's probably in the same ballpark as that. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. Focus once, shoot many times. Back button focusing is your friend. <laughs> is it another one? There yeah. endeth the lesson. Yeah. Dan O'Reilly. I am 18 and in college. I'm currently going through the annoying process of applying to university, but after the new year, I plan on starting. Uh, trying to make some money through photography. Why is it an annoying process? of I mean, Being somebody who never went to university, I went straight out into the world of work, I did. 
Um, is it an annoying process, Kev? Was it, you, you, you went to uni. You're clever. I did. It was a long time ago. Um, I, I do recall it being a little bit annoying. You had to, in some cases, you had to go down for interviews and open days, mm. various things like that. And you you then had the, you know, they would make you an offer. So they would say, right, we'll, we'll accept you on this course if you get two A's and a B or whatever. Yeah. And then obviously you had the stress and the worry of getting those grades. And if you didn't, you, then you, they throw you into this thing called clearing, right. which is basically all of the spaces that haven't been filled in other places that, that you then, it's like an auction effectively. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember whether I went through clearing or not and ended up in Bournemouth. But anyway, I don't think I did go through clearing, but yeah. It was. I do remember it being a bit of a laborious process. Bit, bit of a sure. process, right? He Seems like it hasn't changed much. No, obviously. As a, as a young photographer interested in portraiture, he says, how, "How would you recommend I try to get work in my area, or would it be better to focus on getting experience as an assistant?" I don't think there's as much assistant work around as there. Well, I, it's not. I don't think. I know there isn't as much of that kind of work around these days in the traditional sense of being an assistant as you hear a lot a lot of photographers that started their businesses in 70s and 80s would uh, would talk about but that is that is a route I, I i think this goes back again to working with your friends and and building up a portfolio doesn't it yeah well if you listen to the interview with casey you know she she goes around cities and towns around the uk and around the world in fact and and goes to the, the art colleges and and asks for people to come and help her yeah on, on these shoots and everything and uh you know get yourself a project get yourself something to do to get yourself out there that's going to yield pictures off your own bat whether that's you know portraits of people in the street or whether it's a uh you know a considered um portfolio of work i mean i, I looked at i looked at his website and there's some wonderful stuff on there that's quite different as well mm. so uh then it's a case of exposure rather than getting the work because anybody can do the work you can all do the work we can all get off our asses and go uh you know on a sunday morning or something and go and make pictures yeah. but most of us don't get off our asses and do those things but you can and then it's a case of exposure and, uh, you know, trying to get in front of people. And that's when you need to start throwing your work at uh, curators, you know, all of that kind of stuff. If, you, if you're aiming for that kind of fine art area, um, I, or you I, might I, just end up falling into being a wedding photographer like the rest of us. Okay, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, no, I know. It's good money. We probably earn more than a lot of the fine art photographers do. <laughs> I, Pandemics I, aside. I did talk to Dan. There's, there's a particular, within his environmental portraits, um, section on his website there's a, a lady there wearing a, a brown uh, woolen hat with a, a nice colorful uh, jacket red blue and orange jacket and it and he entitled it portrait of a stranger and i remember talking to him about it because he'd been looking for the confidence to go and make some in inverted commas um, street portraits and that was yeah. his first i'm so pleased to see it on his website because i think it should always remain there that was the one where he thought right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i can't do it no i'm not doing it walk away no i've got to do it come back please can i have your picture and and that picture is there and it's wonderful to see because that, mm. that that is the start of everything. Yeah. Do you remember this time last year, you and I had a conversation about we were going to go into London and do portraits of strangers? Yes. And of course we didn't. And that's what I'm referring to. And we can't put the pandemic as an excuse for that because there's plenty of time. In yeah. fact, you can do, technically do it now. Uh, and we didn't because we didn't get off our asses and do it. Should we make that our 2022 thing? Uh, well, yeah, but I'm not going to the pub with you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Which I know is what you're looking forward to, <laughs> or I will, and I'll have a, uh, I'll have a nanny gate beer, <laughs> nanny state, nanny, nanny state, nanny, 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 state. nanny gate, that's nanny gate, nanny state. <laughs> There's plenty of very good beers. We talked about the the Guinness Zero. That's a good one, Kev. That I've been that's right. That I've yeah. been digging into. I'm really looking forward to this. Actually, I have oh, to yeah. say, I mean, I'm 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 going for it big time before New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. Are you? You'll be a shabby state. Uh, additionally, uh, additionally, there's one last bit on, on this one, Dan. Additionally, the college has a great print bureau, which is very cheap for students, so I plan to get a series of prints done. How would you recommend trying to sell them, considering I don't have a social media following? Well, again, I mean, you can, if, you, if you're desperate to sell things, um, you know, if that is a priority at this point, and I, I you know, respect, respectfully, I would probably suggest it. it's not, or sh perhaps shouldn't be right at this moment. But if it is, then... You know, you can, uh, most of the shopping malls and things like that will allow you to uh, rent a, a board that you can sit by and sell prints on a, on a weekend, um, or you can go to the uh, art fairs and all those kind of things. Plenty of people do that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing right now it's a case of trying to build the business, get, get enough yeah. 
uh, enough traction in that, that's probably where I'd be putting my my efforts, especially if you're still got to go through university and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, you will need money to get through university. You need, well, you'll, you'll need money for the rest of your life to pay for it as well, I'm afraid, my friend. <laughs> oh, uh, right. Yours, Kev, from Facebook. Okay. Indy Lehman. Sorry to hear that Kev has run out of books. Uh, <laughs> it's not my intention to be sarcastic, they say. Uh, the local by. library may have some treasures worth exploring. Yeah. Uh, when the well runs dry, that is where I go when I want to explore photo books in more detail. And quite right as well. Yeah. I did remember reading this and thinking, that's a very good point, because even in this little uh, little backwater town of Malmesbury, we have a reasonably good library. Um, Do you think they have photo- a photography book section in that that? Mar- Absolutely, yeah, mm. quite right. So yeah. maybe, maybe I should uh, go and visit that. Yeah, I always used to. I used to get all my books from the library, my reading books. Yeah, and I always used to feel I get a connection with books, and I don't like giving them back. That's the problem, uh, you know. And that's why I've got all those CCJs from all the libraries <laughs> across the country. Anthony, <laughs> I've got quite a few books actually that that do have um, that that I've. I've acquired, not stolen, I might add, from a library, because I haven't been into the a library for, I can't even say how many decades. I do have quite a few, though, that um, that seem to have uh, li- library tickets in the front that clearly aren't, aren't being missed, or they have no idea I've got them anyway. Do you think I should start returning them? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, my dad used, still does go to the library, yeah. always. Yeah, ever since I can remember, he used to, we used to go into Newport. There was yeah. a big library in Newport. You know, he'd say, right, I'm going to pop into the library and my heart would sink because I know he'd be in there for about three hours deciding which ones to read. Right. And uh, I'd go and they used, used to have like a little kiddie section, you know, and I'd go and flick through some stuff there. Yeah. Um, but my dad used to, because he used to read so much stuff, so many books, he would put his initials on the inside cover so he knew he'd read it in the past because he would end up taking the same ones home again, otherwise, like seven years later. Uh, and I'm sure he's initialed half the books in, in Newport Library, and, you know, maybe more. What's your dad's initials? DM. So if you see DM in any of your books, in, if you're in that Newport area. Yeah, you know my dad's read it. You know, you, you know Mullin's dad has read it. Um, here's one from Robin Chun. Um, hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. Uh, great show. Blah, de blah, de blah, etc. I shoot RAW plus JPEG and uh, PP my RAW file, uh, post-process my RAW file, but I, I found I was always trying to get the look of my own film simulation recipe. So why not use the JPEG, I asked myself, and hence this is now what I do. However, I do have some post-processing to the JPEG, usually straightening, colour boosting, some cloning to get rid of unwanted bits and bobs. So my question is, how much post-process and uploading can a JPEG stand before it starts to deteriorate? Thanks, guys, and where can I buy a Fujicast mug? Well, we'll come back to the Fujicast mug in a moment, but um, what about the degradation then, Kev? Yeah, so a JPEG is destructive. So the more t- the more times you save a JPEG, the less quality it will have. Yeah. So you want to, if you're going to make any adjustments, try and do it once in one go. Um, now, of course, if you're doing it in Lightroom or something like that, which is non-destructive because you'll always have the original JPEG. Mm. But if you if you export the JPEG with adjustments and then you bring that back in and then you edit that new version, then that's going to be destructive. That's one and step down, yeah. Carry on, carry on, carry on, yeah, carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But obviously Lightroom and Capture One and all of those other tools will be are non-destructive in, in the sense that they store the adjustments you make in little sidecar files or within the software itself. It's when you export it as a JPEG and then re-import it and start editing again, that's when you're going to notice the uh, the degradation. And I don't know how many uh, iterations you've got in that respect. I don't know, but yes, you will. You will eventually. And I've seen it. I, I, I've got images that I've edited over the years, re-edited because I've only had the JPEGs from when I used to shoot JPEG with my Canon cameras. And and I've noticed, especially when I upload them to websites now, that there is you know there's a visual degradation in the image quality yeah, yeah. Um, because it's it's been through the mill a few times. So yeah, that that is a thing. Um, in terms of adjustments and stuff like that, uh, I always roughly rule of thumb in terms of like exposure changes and stuff like that. I, I kind of say that a JPEG has about three stops of latitude, whereas a RAW file is probably more near a seven stops. Right. Thank you, Robin, for that. Uh, oh, the Fujicast mug. Where can you get one? Well, you can't. They. I mean, they. There. There is a. Well, it's not really a non-fungible token. That one is it. It's not an N- NFT. But there. There were. There were just only a few. 
Only I will be at some point in 2022, and I said this at the beginning of 2021, be moving the Fujicast website to somewhere else. Yeah. And that's going to start, that's going to manifest itself with us not having the, the backlog of shows uh, until I, I'll do that over time. Yeah. But uh, one of the things I will do is put stuff up there, merch. Let's have some merch. I'll give you merch, Kev. Is it time for merch? Yeah, what, we can have mugs. What mugs? What other merch should uh, should you have? Should have if you like McKinnon. McKinnon, you should have a coffee range. Uh, coffee, yeah, helicopter. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else you'd have. T-shirts. Uh, no, I I, honestly, I, I, I'm jesting about this a little bit because, uh, yeah, I can get a mug, a mug yeah. but I don't know. I mean, it, it's easy to do these things and it will yeah. help because there is a, you know, a substantial cost to running that, running this thing. And uh, so maybe, maybe, I don't know, who knows? Some, some, <laughs> but there won't be any alcohol. Be sure of that. Uh, well, 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 there might be. I just won't t- partake in it until 2023. But you're sponsored by a range of wine. Uh, Incapable on, Staircase, on Incapable has staircase. Wine. Yeah, your show, yeah. but well... By dint of that, you are you are sponsored by. Uh, are you are you going to say I don't want any wine advertising on my show? I am teetotal. Not at all. Just because I'm deciding not to drink, I don't care about anybody else. I, you know, I'm doing it for my own little experiment on life. I tell you what, it's going to uh, be really interesting as an experiment on your radio show because I don't think you've ever done one sober. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i might have to record 52 episodes before now and the 31st of january yeah the 31st of december just to get them in otherwise country boyo is going to sound very different <laughs> right you're, you're, have we got time for a few more questions uh, the last the last questions of the year go on then kev let's get one uh, in, one in each one in each okay this is an apposite uh question there yeah. we go use that word <laughs> six weeks ago it was sent but it's it's more more relevant now in fact martin allard thoughts on covid passes for weddings oh. i've just applied for mine we have a welsh wedding photographer christmas party coming up and right. apparently we need one for the venue they only last a month so i'll need to renew mine as it will run out two days before my first december wedding I didn't think this through as I didn't realise there was a one-month limit. Otherwise, I would have waited another 10 days, which would have covered me for the next three weddings. So he's done He's uh, done, He's done. done this wedding now then, has he? Because it was a... Yeah, of course he has. Yeah, of course he has. Yeah, six weeks ago. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, yeah. Appro- it's appropriate now. But uh, it, see, the rules, as I understand them for, for, um, for COVID passes, involve events that are a lot larger than, than a wedding, unless you're doing these huge turkish greek weddings that tend to get thousands of people go to them but of yeah course well in, in wales in remember wales he's in wales so they will, yeah, they've been ahead of the the curve in terms of well, don't um, use that expression <laughs> ahead of the game in terms of covid passes yeah. over england as, as scotland have also yeah um but yeah that that whole um covid pass thing is it does when you go when you when you log in and you get your covid pass mm. for one month if you go in the next day and do it again, it will just give you another month. So it doesn't, you, you never worry about it running out because I did it for when I went to the rugby and then I went back to Wales for something else. Yeah. Uh, it just refreshed itself, you know, so there's there's no issue with that. Um, How will COVID uh, passes <clears throat> af- affect people organising weddings? Will they think, oh, to dash with this, I'll wait till late 2022 maybe i'll do it 23 now well i've got a wedding in january middle of january and uh i just chatted to them uh, yesterday because uh, obviously final balance is due now and you know we agreed that we'll wait we'll wait until much closer to the wedding just in case anything kind of goes back um uh, you know, a wedding I did up in Scotland, there was a whole load of guests that weren't there because uh, there was a, an American angle to the family. They couldn't get into the country. Um, and the COVID pass thing, though, is is for is for larger events. So I think it, currently it's 500 people, isn't it, or yeah, more yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'd have to be a pretty damn big wedding. Different, obviously, <laughs> in ev- every country. I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware that in America, Australia, et cetera, it's very yeah. different, different rules indeed. But COVID, COVID passes generally, though, Kev, do you, do you support them for weddings? How, how do you feel about them? Mm, for small events, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's... It's uh, something that I would think, oh, yeah, I think that would just be a chore all the time. But I kind of get it for large indoor events, uh, sure, I get that. I don't really understand the difference between large outdoor events and, you know, what's the difference between having, I think the limit is 10,000 people, isn't it? So if you have an event with 9,999 people and you don't need a COVID pass, yet you have one with 10,000 people and you do, 
you know, there's that seems very arbitrary to me. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not a scientist. They're doing what they need to do. I'll follow the rules to a certain extent. Are are you wearing a mask at the wedding now? I mean, I know (laughs) that we'd both come away from from being as diligent with a mask. You know, we, we both can put our hands up to that one. But I've gone back to the mask. Yeah, I'm wearing masks. I wore a mask uh, on my wedding, my last wedding I shot through most of the day. And uh, certainly when I was close to people, uh, I didn't wear it in the service or anything like that when I was at the back of the aisle. And no. everything. Kind of was around my neck. But I hate them because it steams up the, the viewfinder. It so does. I'm always, yeah. Yeah. it's pointless really because I I'm, I'm basically pull it down below my nose. So it's kind of totally pointless. Well, null, null and void then, isn't it? Yeah, effectively. But yes, I am I am doing it. Um and the vendors, all of the vendors, the waiting staff and everybody were also wearing their yeah. their masks. Um so yeah. 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 Um last one of the year, Kev. Fuji X one hundred V. I think we've had more questions about the Fuji X one hundred, Fujifilm X one hundred V than any other camera in the year. And it's just a very quick question from our friend Mark Dell, who says, uh, QQ for you both. What's the most popular colour of the X100V in sales terms? What colours do you have? I have the silver. I always prefer the X100s in silver. They seem a bit more classy to me. Cheers, Mark. Um, I would say that the most popular one in terms of sales is silver. Yeah. However, I prefer black. Yeah, I like the black ones. Um, The only silver X100 I've had... Uh, was the very, very original one, of which I don't think there was a black anyway, was there? There was a special edition one they did, I think. All right. Eventually. And then you had that one with, didn't you have one with snake skin or something, Kev? Something like uh, yeah, crocodile skin, crocodile I think skin. it was, yeah. but fake, fake crocodile fake skin, crocodile you know. Skin, yeah. Um, yeah, so Fujifilm in the UK in collaboration, I think it was in collaboration with John Lewis, had yeah. this offer where you could get your camera, your X-Pro one, it was at the time, skinned, yeah. and they had different options. And I remember that Damien Lovegrove, I think, went for leopard skin colours. <laughs> <laughs> to go with his underwear. <laughs> the go with his underwear. Yeah, it's very Damien that was. And uh, I went for a black yeah, crocodile skin coloured. Yeah, to so go I with, still have it. It's very cool. It came back with, in a wonderful box, actually, which uh, I do still have. Uh, yeah. uh, sorry, did you say a box, Kev? Yeah, a special <sighs> limited edition box. You kept the box. The only a handful of people have got. I don't mm. know where it is, but I do. I, I definitely won't have thrown that one out. Well, you're due to have your studio clean house, aren't you? Um, there we go. You, which, which you can do at the start of 22 when you're sober. <laughs> sober. For a year, Kev. Does, yep. that mean, does that mean that if you do it for a year, then that, that is it now? You are sober forever. That's no more. No more. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll soon. We'll soon find out. Well, good we'll luck with it. Out. Good luck with it, Kev. <laughs> Good luck with the next. Happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah, happy Thank Christmas. you very much for sticking by us yeah. through 2021. Well, we'll be back in 2022. Um, and uh, keep sending your questions in. We, we definitely need them. Send them through the, the email. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Or, of course, send them um, or, 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 or put them through on the um, on the Facebook group. We uh, we definitely need some more through there as well. As you say, Kev, have a, have a super, super Christmas. Uh, a fantastic new year and we will see you in the new year happy Christmas merry new Bye-bye. year Mer- merry new Bye-bye. year happy Christmas what do you say Kev happy, um, merry Christmas happy new year yes yeah oh god let's have a drink <laughs> see you in the new year bye bye the Fujicast is an independent loading zone production email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. <laughs>